My name's Greg Knapp. This is the Greg Knapp Experience, your 20-minute thrill ride for your commute or your workout. The generals have now proved that Biden lied and Americans died in Afghanistan. General Milley defends his calls to China, but won't say if he promised to warn them before we ever go to war with them. You know that liberal English actor, comedian Russell Brand? Well, he suddenly realizes he's been lied to by the media on the Russian hoax story, and it's precious. The cartels at the border are plotting to set up our Border Patrol agents, and Johnson & Johnson workers are caught on film saying your kids should not take the COVID vaccine. All that and more coming up on the Greg Knapp Experience. Let's go. All right, so let's start with what happened yesterday where we had the generals testifying in front of the Senate committee, and they're talking about Biden and his ideas in Afghanistan and the fact that he lied. Wall Street Journal reporting, the general supported leaving 2,500 U.S. troops in the country. They also have doubts about the over-the-horizon counter-terror strategy, and they also said that it was a strategic failure in Afghanistan. But other than that, they backed Biden up 100%. Look, they said exactly the opposite of what Biden and his people have been telling you that he was told. The generals now have proved that Biden lied and Americans died. 13 U.S. servicemen and women were killed by that suicide bomber. 18 more were injured. 160 Afghan civilians were killed. Then we use a drone strike that was supposedly going to get the terrorists. We killed 10 innocent civilians, including seven children. We didn't get the people out. There are people still waiting to go. We left it in complete disarray. It was a strategic failure, according to the generals. And Biden is still, no, no, did exactly what we're supposed to do. Look, go back to George Stephanopoulos, August 19th. Stephanopoulos, but your troop military advisors warned against withdrawing on this timeline. They wanted you to keep about 2,500 troops. Biden, no, they didn't. It was split. The, that wasn't true. That wasn't true. Stephanopoulos, they didn't tell you that they wanted troops to stay? Biden, no, not it. Not in terms of whether we were going to get out in a time frame all troops. They didn't argue against that. I don't even know what that means. Stephanopoulos, so no one told, your military advisors did not tell you, no, we should just keep 2,500 troops. It's been a stable situation for the last several years. We can do that. We can continue to do that. Biden, no, no one said that to me that I can recall. No, no one said that to me that I can recall. Well, to be fair, Greg, you can't recall much anymore. Yeah, listen, you can't say that the man has memory problems when it comes to this, but say he's fit as a fiddle when we see him just bumbling around every day, physically, mentally, and verbally. You know, you can't use that as an excuse. Biden rejected the general's views. The New York Times had a piece last month, I don't know if you saw it, that the headline was, Biden rejected general's views. I mean, that's the whole thing you need to know. The big four is what they call them, right? So that would be General Milley. That would be McKenzie. That would be General Scott Miller, commanding officer in Afghanistan. That would be Lloyd Austin, the secretary of defense. All of them disagreed with him. And he's saying, no, not a single one that I can recall. Now, listen, as the commander in chief, the president has the right to reject the advice of the entire military if he wants to. But he's got to own it. He's got to say, look, They told me this. 
I decided this because I'm the decider. Remember George W. Bush? was like, hey, listen, I'm the decider. And the left went nuts. Why made you the decider? You are the decider. That's why we have one dude who is the president. He has to determine what the military should do. We have the civilians controlling the military at the top. No problem with that. He's got to make that call. But when he makes that call, he's got to own it. He's got to take responsibility for it, but he doesn't want to. What he wants to do is say, oh, I'm not like Trump. You know, Trump said that he was smarter than these generals and Trump was going to do whatever he wanted to do. But I I listen to my generals. I listen to people. I take the advice. No, you didn't. You did what you wanted to do and what the left was pushing you to do. And now you don't want to take the penalty for that. The penalty? Well, the penalty is you get the blame when things go wrong. Like when a suicide bomber kills 13 United States American servicemen and women. That's when you like when we have thousands left there stranded in the country from our allies to Americans. You get the blame for that because you're the one who made the decision. When we leave billions upon billions of military equipment there for them to use. You get the blame for that because you're the one who made that decision. When you're the decider, you get the credit and you get the blame and he doesn't want the blame. So he's lying to you. He's been lying to you. They continue to lie. It's unbelievable that anybody listens to anything these people say anymore. So back to the Wall Street Journal article, when you talk about the, what the generals actually said, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Mark Milley, General Kenneth McKenzie, both made clear that they recommended that about 2,500 U.S. troops should stay in Afghanistan to delay a Taliban takeover. The scandal, of course, is that Biden lied about it. Lied about it. Mm. Said the generals unanimously supported his August 31st deadline for the departure of U.S. troops. No. In fact, they didn't give him that advice until August 25th, 10 days after the fall of Kabul to the Taliban, and it was too late then to do anything differently. Senator Mark Kelly of Arizona asked General McKenzie, are you confident that we can deny organizations like Al-Qaeda and ISIS the ability to use Afghanistan as a launch pod, launch pad for terrorist activity? The general said, quote, I would not say I am confident. So much for the over-the-horizon capacities that we have. General Milley called the outcome in Afghanistan a strategic failure as the enemy is in charge in Kabul. Now, he did say it was still a logistical success to get all those people out. Mm-hmm. Right. Strategic failure. By the way, General Milley also talked about his communications with China. We're going to get into the details in these in just a second. But he said his communications with China were sta uh, standard practice. But he wouldn't say whether his portrayal in the books was accurate because he hadn't read them. You know, the book that Woodward wrote. Wait, come on. I, I don't care whether you read the book or not. You haven't read the press about it. You haven't read the headlines. You haven't watched any of the news. You haven't had people ask you the question. Why don't they just ask them straight up? Hey, did you promise to warn China if before we would ever attack them? Did you insert yourself in the chain of command for the nuclear launches? Oh, no, no, no. When Nancy Pelosi called me about that and I told her, listen, the president just doesn't push a button. We have a protocol and procedure for nuclear launches. And, and I'm not in the position to determine whether President Trump is, is mentally stable or not. And then I just called the people in and we just went over the protocols again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And, and that's why it said he looked him in the eyes if it was an oath that, hey, you don't do anything until you talk to me. It sure sounds like putting yourself in the chain of command, doesn't it? There's more. Brooke Singman writing, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin admitted that their input was received by President Biden, that all these generals that said keep the troops, that their input was received. Austin, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Mark Milley, Head of the U.S. Command, General Kenneth McKenzie, all appeared before the Senate Armed Services Committee. 
Mackenzie, I recommended that we maintain 2,500 troops in Afghanistan. I also have a view that the withdrawal of those forces would lead inevitably to the collapse of the Afghan military forces and eventually the Afghan government. Millie, back in the fall of 2020 and remain consistent throughout, we should keep a steady state of 2,500 troops and it could bounce up to 3,500 maybe, something like that, in order to move toward a negotiated uh, solution. They're all telling him to keep the troops even though they continue to tell you, no, 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 it it was split. It was split. Really? Who are the people on the other side? Uh, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki tweeted during the hearing, as the President of the United States told ABC, ending the war in Afghanistan was in our national interest. He said advice was split, but consensus of top military advisors with 2,500 troops staying meant escalation due to deal by the previous admin. Okay, number one, you did not say it was split. You said no one told you to stay. So that's number one. Number two, if it's split, who are the people on the other side? Give us names. Number two, who makes up this so-called consensus? Because all the generals we're hearing said that they should have kept troops there and disagreed with what Biden did. And number three, you didn't stick to Trump's deal anyway. Trump's deal was to get out in May and Trump had already been changing the deal because the Taliban weren't holding up their end of the deal. So you hadn't stuck with any of the other Trump deals. You had to stick with this one. This is just another excuse to blame it on someone else. Austin explained, circumstances in August were anything but ideal, extreme heat, a landlocked country, no government, a highly dynamic situation on the ground, and an active, credible, and lethal terrorist threat. In the span of just two days, from the 13th to the 15th of August, we went from working alongside a democratically elected longtime partner government to coordinating warily with a longtime enemy. Yeah, another reason that they should have waited at least till winter, fighting dies way down, everything calms down, you get everyone else out before you get the troops out. No, no, that was a consensus. Uh, So again, we go over to White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki saying the military advisors were split on whether to maintain a presence of U.S. troops in Afghanistan, but wouldn't give one name of a single advisor or a single general who said, pull the troops out now. She kept dodging when she was pressed on it, and she kept going back to, well, I mean, if we kept troops there, it would have just escalated. It would have been horrible. We can't do that. Um, we're not going to go over these conversations uh, you know, one by one in private conversations. The president made clear the advice was split. But who was on the other side? Who was on the other side? Zachary Stieber on General Mark Milley and the Chinese phone calls, he told a congressional panel he was certain in October 2020 that President Trump did not intend to attack the Chinese. And Defense Secretary at the time, Mark Esper, directed him to convey that to General Lee of the People's Liberation Army of China. Because intelligence indicated the Chinese Communist Party was concerned about such an attack. My task at the time was de-escalate. Right. Okay, no problem so far. But Milley did not address the reports that he informed General Lee in China on one of the calls that he would warn him if the United States was planning an attack. And that's the important part. That's the part that could be treasonous, and he won't talk about it. Nice, huh? Hey, in just a second, I'm going to talk to you about uh, Russell Brand realizing the liberal media lied to him about the Russia collusion hoax. But if you're enjoying the show, I want you to be a part of this movement. It's to combat the far less version of America and rally around what makes us exceptional, okay? We are an exceptional nation. So please listen, follow, share the show on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, wherever you listen. Tell three friends to tell three friends 
and on and on and on. Thanks for being part of the movement. Now, liberal English comedian actor Russell Brand has come out with his own little video cast, and he said this. The world moves so fast, there's almost no time for history. It seems like years ago, we were hearing that Trump was colluding with Russia, that he wouldn't have won the election without Russia, that his whole presidency was kind of a Putin plot. Well, there's now serious evidence, he's talking about the Durham report, that it was the Clinton campaign and Hillary Clinton, an acolyte, that were directly involved in the generation of what has proved to be a conspiracy theory. Untrue. Think about how much media you watched. Me, a person who I think, broadly speaking, is from the left, a liberal, certainly not a Trump supporter, a Republican, with respect to those of you who are, I find myself gobsmacked, flabbergasted, and startled by these revelations that Russiagate was a democratic conspiracy. I got to tell you, it is great to see someone realize that they've been duped by left-wing propaganda because it shows that people can take in the real truth and change their mind. So I'm proud of Russell Brand for being a guy on the left to say, holy crap, look at this. This was really, this Russia stuff was really Hillary Clinton and the Democrats who were paying for all this. And we've got proof now that one of her people was lying to the FBI about it. And guess what's going on now? Well, the lefties are attacking him. They're saying, hey, what do celebrities know? This guy's not an expert. This guy wasn't in the press briefings. This guy's information and opinion isn't worth bleep. You know, all that. Will he be canceled? That's a good question. Will the left now cancel him for daring to speak the truth about the Russian hoax? And listen, if you've listened to my show very long or you play the Greg Knapp Experience home game, you know that I agree that fame does not equal knowledge. Fame does not equal expertise. It doesn't, just because you can memorize lines and say them well on a movie screen doesn't mean that you're an expert in politics and news. And we shouldn't overvalue their opinion because they're just movie stars. However, debate the issue, not the person. You can become very educated on this, regardless of what you do for your full-time career. No doubt about it whatsoever. So we should be debating the issue, not the person. So you never overvalue somebody's opinion, but you never just shut them out either. That's what I think America's about. Let's debate it. Let's talk about it. Let's have some free speech. Let's have some free open debate. Let's look at the logical part of it. Let's try and figure out who's telling the truth. And that's what Russell Brand did, and the left is, is just ready to hang him up, string him up, run him out of town, man. Tarn feather the guy. He had the audacity to say Hillary Clinton was behind the Russian collusion hoax. Victoria Taft is telling us what's going on in Portland, Oregon. A TV news station there has canceled the news for part of Monday. Why? ABC TV affiliate KATU News canceled the morning and afternoon news shows on Monday while the, quote, entire news team attended a seminar to help deal with on-the-job stress and trauma. Well, there was a lot of trauma. I mean, they had to cover these mostly peaceful protests day in and day out. <laughs> it was mostly peaceful. Yeah, I mean, I mean, day after day, there's violence in the streets, there's shootings, there's murders, there's arsons, but it was mostly peaceful. It's true, it was mostly peaceful. Everything was great until I got shot in the head. I mean, that day was mostly peaceful. And then for just one second, I get shot in the head and it ruins the whole day. Mostly peaceful. Uh, maybe the stress is realizing that the liberals that most of the press agree with are destroying Portland. Really, every big city that they govern. <laughs> maybe it's stressful to realize that their policies have gone from making things worse to miserable to unlivable in places like Portland and San Francisco and others. And Portland now won't even stop violence in the streets when you have two groups literally at war 
violent war with each other in the street. And, oh, we just let them fight it out. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, the mayor did come out and say that was probably not a good idea. You think? Yeah, well, if you do think, you usually come up with that conclusion. Hank Berrien talking about what's going on at our border. The drug cartels are now plotting to set up our border patrol based on what the Biden administration did over the whip lies, you know? We've been talking about that a lot. So here's what journalist Laura Logan tweeted the other day. According to law enforcement in Texas, Border Patrol agents have advised the latest intelligence from the cartels is this. After the Biden response to the horse patrol, cartels ordered their smugglers to force the Border Patrol to react and appear to use excessive force and record it. Cartels will push that to the media to force more agents off the line. Okay, so let's break this down. So what they're saying is, Hey, do what you can, push the Border Patrol, get violent, whatever it takes to get them to respond violently. We will record it, then we'll put it up on their media, and then we'll put more pressure on the Border Patrol to back off. Huh. I mean, I wonder where they could possibly get that idea. Chris Pandolfo now is reporting that Governor Ron DeSantis is suing the Biden administration over the catch and release policies on the border because they're literally flying illegal aliens into Florida and placing them here. So the governor observed the number of immigration law enforcement encounters at the southwest border has risen from 78,000 in January to over 210,000 in July, an increase of 171%. Quote, that's the highest monthly total in more than 20 years, and there's no sign of it slowing down. You have another 208,000 in August, and that was, again, close to another record. So they're saying, look, the government is not free to ignore the clear commands of Congress in our border laws. Uh, the Biden administration has claimed that it lacks the resources and detention capacity to process the surge of migrants at the border. But here's the thing. They are trying to eliminate measures that increase their resources and detention capacity. They've done away with the Mexican policy, although a judge has tried to make them re-implement it. They've asked Congress to reduce the number of immigration detention beds available to it. It's the Biden administration's misguided policies that have encouraged more migrants to make the dangerous journey to the United States. The government cannot use a purported lack of resources as an excuse to ignore congressional mandates. Absolutely right. And I love this, where Jen Psaki's been saying, well, you know, we're tired of the Republicans complaining with no solutions and that they're not doing anything to fix the system. This is a broken system. Obama came out. Yeah, until we fix the system, I don't know what we're going to do. Okay, here's the solutions to fix the system. Build the wall. Use the Remain in Mexico policy for anybody claiming asylum from a third country. Asylum, make sure the laws say, so the courts can't go around it, that it's only for life-threatening political persecution. Not because I don't have enough money or not because five years ago there was an earthquake. We've got to increase the judges on the border for quick deportations so that we can hold people until their court instead of releasing them into America. You got to work with the local police to quickly pick up and deport illegal aliens who are committing other crimes in the nation. Enforce our laws. Done. I fixed it. Next. Uh, majority now does not trust Biden on the COVID-19 information. Shocker, David Hogberg reporting the Axios Ipsos coronavirus index survey found only 45% now trust Biden on COVID-19 info. Only 45% trust him a great deal or a fair amount. 53% trust him very little or not at all. That's a huge decline since late May. We're also less likely to view socializing as a large risk to our health now. Only 13% said gathering with friends and family poses a large risk to their health. 40% said that in January. And how about trick-or-treating? 
Well, last year, 25% said it's risky to let your kids go out. This year, only 13% say it's risky. Yeah, people are starting to say, you know what? We're going to have to learn to live with it. Uh, we're living with it. Project Veritas has another video out, third video of its COVID vaccine investigative series. They've got two Johnson & Johnson officials arguing children do not need the vaccine. Brandon Schatt, regional business lead for J&J, &J, quote, it's a kid. You just don't do that, you know? Not something that's so unknown in terms of repercussions down the road, you know? He goes on, kids shouldn't get an effing COVID vaccine. J&J is like stepping in the best smelling pile of bleep you could step in. Then there's Justin Durant, Johnson & Johnson scientist. Don't get the Johnson & Johnson COVID vaccine. I didn't tell you, though. He's talking about kids. And he said, you know, it wouldn't make much of a difference if children are unvaccinated for COVID. He goes on, inconvenience for the unvaccinated to the point where it's like, I might as well just effing do it and take the COVID vaccine. You know what I'm saying? It's almost like you're almost like a second grade citizen if you're not vaccinated. You can't do anything that a normal citizen can do. If you can't work, I feel like that's punishment enough. Only way people really act and comply is if it affects their pockets. Like if you're working for a big company and you're going to lose your job, best believe you'll be the first one in line to take the COVID vaccine. That's what we're doing. Yeah, it is. Sound fair? Greg, why do you hate the vaccine? Again, I am pro-vaccine. I have taken the vaccine. My family has taken the vaccine. I think the vaccine is saving lives. I think the vaccine makes it so that you don't have to go to the hospital as much. I think the vaccine makes it so that you don't get as sick. That's what I believe from all the research I, searching I've done. However, I'm also a guy who believes in this thing called freedom and liberty and that you should not be forced by your government to put anything into your body. And so I believe that, that you have the right to make that decision. North Carolina hospital system disagrees. They have fired 175 employees who would not comply with their vaccine mandate. Chris Pandolfo reporting, Novant Health. 375 team members had been suspended without pay for noncompliance, but 200 of them went ahead and got vaccinated. And they're saying, you know, we're just, we're just doing it for people's health. We want to talk about how crazy the COVID shot thing has gotten. Do you see what happened in New Hampshire? And 28-year-old man, unnamed because he's worried about blowback, has now filed a discrimination lawsuit because he was denied the COVID vaccine because of his skin color. Yeah, what? You can't do that. Well, they've done it. Uh, why do those people hate minorities? No, well, he was denied it because his skin color is white. 28-year-old man denied the vaccine in April. He had diabetes. He was at an elevated medical risk for COVID-19. But when he called the Public Health Council of the Upper Valley in Lebanon, New Hampshire, to schedule his shot, he was told, we're only serving people of color. It's in line with the state's equitable vaccine distribution policies. So discrimination of life-saving vaccine by race is now called equitable. Now it's called equitable. Of course, what we should be doing, if there's ever a a shortage of the vaccine, you should do it by medical need and medical triage, not by skin color. The complaint says appointments at a vaccination clinic held by the Public Health Council were reserved for people who identify as black, indigenous, or people of color, regardless of whether those individuals were at an elevated risk for severe COVID-19. And this is what you get when you start preaching critical race theory in schools, in colleges, in workplaces, and you pit one race against another. Instead of all of us being in this together, we're all human beings, we're all Americans, we're going to serve 
everyone, regardless of their skin color, we're now saying you serve people because of their skin color and you deny people because of their skin color. That is the exact opposite of all men are created equal. It's the exact opposite of what the founding is about and what makes America exceptional. And they're doing it supposedly to be equitable. Finally, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki, very upset Monday because people were talking about how Biden promised not to raise taxes for anybody making more than four, less, excuse me, than $400,000 a year. And now a report from the Joint Committee on Taxation says the spending bill would result in tax increases for more than 16% of taxpayers. Listen to this from Saki. There are some, and I'm not sure if this is the case in the report, who argue that in the past, companies have passed on these costs to consumers. I'm not sure if that's the argument being made in this report. We feel that that's unfair and absurd, and the American people would not stand for that. She's talking about increasing corporate income taxes, and they can't believe that these corporations would pass the taxes on to consumers, which, of course, is what always happens. Corporations don't pay taxes. They pass them on to you because they're making their profit. They're not going to let the taxes take away all their profit, or they'll go out of business. So they pass the taxes on to you. It's Economics 101, which obviously the Biden administration does not believe in. And if they don't believe it, it must not be true. So she said, "It's we feel that's unfair and absurd. And the American people would not stand for that. So what, are we going to boycott every company? Every single company we're going to boycott. And live on what exactly? It's basic economics, and they're trying to ignore it. I like what the Wall Street Journal said. In the real world, Congress's Joint Committee on Taxation says the bill raises $2.1 trillion over 10 years. Somebody must be paying more. Among the tax hikes, a 5.5 percentage point increase in the corporate income tax rate that will be paid by workers in lower wages, consumers in higher prices, and investors in lower returns. Well, that just is unfair and absurd, says Saki. Yeah, kind of like everything the Biden administration does. My name is Greg Knapp. This is the Greg Knapp Experience. <laughs>